0: Dida, Fatlagenes Genes, Kerno, Trigis, or in Pausaus, gol Senperen Loen. Lowen. Hi everyone and welcome to Geography Ninja and if you're wondering what was going on just then that was me attempting um, in not a very expert way to speak some Cornish Um, and what I actually said in Cornish there was hello how are you Cornwall uh, I live in England and the final bit said happy St Piran's Day because um, St Piran's Day is on the 5th of March every year that's only just gone um, St Perrin is one of the patron saints of Cornwall, also the patron saint of tin miners and tin mining uh, traditionally um, a big thing in Cornwall. So what we're looking at in this uh, episode of the podcast, we're, we're looking at the, the county of Cornwall um, on the far southwestern uh, tip of the United Kingdom, part of England, although some Cornish people might disagree with that potentially and uh we're we're using this uh, as a way of looking at the issue of deprivation within cornwall so i thought this is maybe a good one to look at because maybe lots of us if we live in the uk cornwall is a, is a big holiday destination we might know it from um you know summer holidays sandy beaches it's got you know it's got a surfing industry it's got some really nice landscape and so on um but what's it like actually if you live there and how is Cornwall different from other parts of the UK so um okay well first of all I think we'll start off with just a, a quick outline of Cornwall itself so Cornwall's part of a peninsula um so it's got the sea on 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 all sides, apart from one, really. So it's got it's got a land border with the rest with England. Um, it's it just borders the county of Devon, um, but it is the further uh, furthest most western county of um, the UK, England, and um, it's actually got a lot of coastline. The coastline is over four hundred miles long. Um, and 158 miles of that is designated as heritage coast so its beaches are seen as really very very spectacular. Um, one of the issues with this is it is quite a long distance away from the centre of things so um, it's, it's definitely in, in what a geographer may refer to as the periphery of the uk so if you think the core of the uk is probably centered on sort of london the southeast the midlands and so on cornwall's about as far away from that as you as you can get um certainly with within england um now the other thing with cornwall the population is around about 500 between five and six hundred thousand Um. Back in the last census, which is, was 2011, it was something in the region of 530,000 people, it's a bit more than that now, it's another census coming out in 2021. Um, but the population is quite, quite dispersed across the county. It's definitely a rural county, much more rural than other parts um, of the country. Population density fairly, um, fairly low. Okay, so the reason I thought we could look at this uh, issue is that back in December of 2019, um, there was a headline which was deprivation across Cornwall is a persistent problem. And this was was based on an update on rural poverty in Cornwall um, that uh, was the the result of some, some research that had been done. So, and there was lots of statistics. We'll, we'll come come on to those in a, in a few minutes. But um, you know, certain parts of Cornwall are amongst the most deprived areas of the whole country. So, what do we actually mean by the term deprivation? So, every year, the the government comes out with what it calls the English Indices of Deprivation. Um, this comes from the Ministry of Housing, Communities and Local Government. And what they do is they, they they rank each small area in England from the most deprived to the least deprived. And they, they divide the country up into small areas. In fact, 32,844 small areas. Um, now, doing this, it gives each of those small areas, an average population, something like about 1,500 people. So it's quite a good a way of analysing this issue of deprivation, multiple deprivation actually is what we're, we're looking at, and by the, the government's own um, uh, way that they structured this, that they have seven different what they call domains, seven different uh, ways of measuring deprivation. Um, so one of them is in terms of income. Um, so if you're on, on a low income, you're more likely to to suffer from, from deprivation. Um, another one is employment. So, you know, what sort of jobs do people do? Are people excluded from jobs? They're unemployed or, you know, are they on low paid jobs and so on? Um, it also looks at education. Um, so whether people are, are achieving um, education qualifications that will allow them to, uh, you know, to, to get a decent, well, well paid job or not. Um, health is also looked at, and that will will investigate things like, you know, poor physical or mental health, uh, whether whether people might die, at risk of dying prematurely, um, quality of life issues, and so on. Um, it also looks at things like crime. Um, housing is also looked at. You know, what's the accessibility of of housing? Is it affordable or not? Uh, what's the provision and the final one is living environment and that's really looking at the the, you know, the quality of the environment particularly things like green space and so on. Now this index of multiple deprivation is really useful for geographers because it helps us to you know compare one area with another so which is the most and the least deprived parts of the country what are the, the sort of reasons for that. Um, my students look at something called um, diverse places so that's really good to look at the the, the contrast. Um, between places. Lots and lots of really uh, good data, quantitative data, that we can can use. Now, looking at a map showing the, the 2019 um, figures for the Multiple Deprivation Index, um, Cornwall doesn't come out as the highest. It's not necessarily coming out as the most deprived. Um, so there are pockets um, up in the Midlands, up in the... the, the Northwest and the northeast of England, and in parts of London, that do definitely come up in the, in the, the most deprived um, 10% of the country. Cornwall isn't quite up at that level for, for the majority of it, but looking at the map, there are quite large areas of Cornwall that certainly do feature up in the top 30 to 40% of most deprived, and it, is, it does cover um, geographically. Covers quite a, a large area, so a lot of Cornwall is certainly on the the, the most deprived side, rather than the the least deprived side. So, is that sort of idea that I really wanted to explore in this podcast? Geography Ninja. Now, before we go any further, I should just say Cornwall is a bit different to other parts of the the UK. Um, back in 2014. Uh, former Prime Minister David Cameron announced that Cornish people were actually being given minority status. Um, And this is under the European Framework Convention for the Protection of National Minorities. Now, what this did, it gave the Cornish the same status under this European Convention um, as the UK's other uh, Celtic people. So, in other words, the Scots, the Welsh and the Irish... Um, now, back in the 2011 census, uh, 14% of the population of Cornwall um, said that they had the, a Cornish national identity rather than a British one. And you might be sitting there thinking, "Well, this is a bit odd. It's hang on, it's part of England, isn't it?" Well, I guess if you if you uh, identify with Cornish national identity, you, you maybe have a different view of that. Um, so uh, the other thing to think about with Cornwall is Cornwall has its own flag. Uh, Cornwall also has its own language, the Cornish language. Now this this is not really um, a, a living language as such. There have been attempts to revive it in recent years. Uh, it's not quite up there in terms of where uh, Welsh or Gaelic might be in the UK. But there are certainly some some people who'd like to to get Cornish. Uh, you know, back on the agenda again. So it, it does stand out as different to other rural parts of the UK. It's certainly got m- uh, quite a strong cultural identity in that respect. Now, the other thing to say about Cornwall that, that sets it apart a bit from the rest of the UK is it, it's got a very, very low um, ethnic diversity. Its, it's ethnic mix is very, very uh, heavily weighted towards... Uh, white British ethnicity in fact the 2011 census um, said 98.2% white British Um, so only 1.8% of the population being non-white black or minority ethnic um, groups. Now you compare that um, to England and Wales uh, in total and that's 14% in England and Wales so in, in Cornwall only 1.8%. So in that respect, again, Cornwall is a little bit different. And the other thing to say is just about how rural Cornwall is. Um, it's, it has 43.7% of its population are classified as rural. Um, now, if you compare that to the whole of England, we've only got something like just over 10% of the total population being classed as rural. So by comparison, Cornwall much more rural than other parts of the country. Now, if we're thinking about deprivation, then that's the the main thing we're looking at here. Uh, I guess really the main reason for deprivation in rural areas is often how remote they are. Now, as we said, Cornwall is definitely in the, the UK's periphery. It's quite a long car journey if you're or any sort of journey actually if you're trying to get there from, from somewhere like London. So around six hours by by train or maybe around five hours or so by car. Um one of the problems is the mo there's no motorway in Cornwall. The motorway finishes at Exeter, which is not even in Cornwall, that's in Devon. Um and you've still got quite a long journey um to get to Cornwall, I a few years ago I went to my cousin's wedding, which is, was in Cornwall. It was at St Ives, which is sort of in the western part of Cornwall. Um, I seem to remember the, the, the journey getting to Cornwall wasn't too bad, but actually then getting to St Ives, which seemed to take forever, to get to partly because of congestion, but mainly I think just because the roads they're, they're, they're small ro- roads, um, it just takes a lot longer to get from one place to another. Um, the other issue that is a reason for deprivation is is often low wages. So in Cornwall, um, it's got the lowest weekly wages in, in Britain. In fact, somewhere back in um, 2005, it was somewhere around 25% below the UK average. Um, and that, that gap between Cornwall and the west, rest of the UK is actually widening so um, this this does become a problem. The, the type of jobs also that people do can be a, a contributing factor um, there 's been a decline in traditional employment in Cornwall, so which would have been dominated by agriculture and and fishing, what geographers and economists might call the the primary sector that would have been quite dominant really up until around the 1970s. Um, Included in that actually would be things like mining, tin mining and um, quarrying. Things like China clay was happening in Cornwall. Um, Most of those jobs have now disappeared. Uh, The jobs that have replaced them, um, if you like, the post-industrial type of jobs that have replaced them, are not as good. They're mostly tertiary sector jobs, in other words, service sector. Um, Often in what could be called the gig economy, you know, sort of zero hours uh, employment, not really much stability of employment, and notoriously badly paid. Um, tourism is clearly a big uh, employer in Cornwall. We said it right at the beginning. You know, lots of people go there for their holidays. Uh, m- many of those jobs badly paid and often very seasonal. All right. So, other, some other things about the uh, about work. So, in Cornwall, it's about twenty eight point four percent of the population between 16 and 64, who are economically inactive. And that is a little bit higher than the average figure for the UK. It's about 5% higher than the UK average. The other thing to say about Cornwall, it's got a relatively high percentage who are self-employed. So something in the region of just under 21% of the working age population are self-employed. This Again, this is higher than the average for the UK um, but it's something in the region of six and a half seven percent higher so um, is that a good thing or a bad thing well it, you know it, it could it could be it could be a good thing because it might suggest that people are you know setting up their own businesses actually the the truth of it is um, in some cases it 's the only option for local employment so um, the other the other issue in Cornwall is that E- commuting to work can be an even bigger challenge um, given how long the journeys can can be um, so small roads often getting can often get con- congested particularly in, in the summer so those those are definite issues and they they relate to you know employment and income which are both indicators of multiple deprivation um now the other issues that we have in in Cornwall, you just mentioned commuting, car ownership in Cornwall is actually a relatively high level of car ownership. Sixty eight percent, according to the figures I've got here, sixty eight percent are over six years old, but there is a high level of car ownership. Now this doesn't necessarily mean that people, you know, people are wealthy and you know everyone's got got cars. Um, it's more likely to suggest that public transport's not necessarily very convenient or maybe not available in certain parts of of the county Um, and also cornwall's got a relatively high percentage of people in what's called fuel poverty now um fuel poverty means if your household has actually got quite high energy costs and you know in order to to meet those energy costs you're you're left with a a low level of disposable income, then you could be uh, in fuel poverty. So, if you spend something like more than ten percent of your household income on heating your your home, uh, you you probably are in fuel poverty. Now, in Cornwall, um, something like fourteen percent of homes are in fuel poverty. So, we've got maybe you know homes with with inadequate. Um, insulation, and then combined with people on low incomes and relatively high high fuel costs. So there's a few parts of Cornwall that are are affected by fuel poverty. Um, and the other thing to say about Cornwall is you, there's a relatively high number of people claiming out of work benefits. Um, so back in 2016. Um, there was something like 6.8% of people on incapacity benefit, and that, that is higher than the average for England by about one percent. Um, so, really, overall, Cornwall, Cornwall is one of the poorest parts of um, of England. Ooh, that's quite interesting. Okay, well, the other thing I wanted to say was that um, Cornwall is, you know, it's a very attractive place. In the in the summer, it's it's a really uh, it's an absolutely lovely place, the scenery, the landscape, the beaches and so on. Fantastic. And it, what it means is a lot of people want to move um, to either move into Cornwall, you know, maybe uh, moving from a big city, wanting to downsize, move into Cornwall. So there is a bit of counter urbanisation going on in that direction. Um, what's happened over recent years, a lot of, uh, you, you know, rich um, urban Dwellers have bought up second homes in Cornwall. Um, now, you know, is is this a problem? Surely it's good if there's a bit of extra money coming into Cornwall. Well, this can be, become a problem because what it does, it, it widens the gap um, of affordability. It makes buying um, a property in Cornwall more expensive for local people. So back in 2017, the average house price for Cornwall was just over £214,000. The gross median salary was something like just under £18,000. Now, what that means is you needed a ratio of approximately 12 times your salary to buy an average house in Cornwall. So there's a big gap between what people were earning and what they could afford to buy. In fact, much bigger Than other parts of the UK Um, so that's a bit of an issue and um, looking at some data on this lots of the areas with high percentages of second homes are on on the coast and a few of these coastal locations have been really big with with celebrities so we've got people like um, Gordon Ramsay celebrity chef uh, as reported in Cornwall Live website, apparently he paid something like £4 million for what was called a stopgap beach house at Trebetherick. Um, <laughs> I'm not sure what that means, stopgap, exactly. Uh, D- uh, David Cameron, former Conservative Prime Minister, um, said to have bought a house uh, near Rock in Cornwall for something like £2 million. And... Um, the Cornwall Live website goes on to to suggest that it's really a, a they call it a second homes plague. Um, and this comes in that came in the aftermath of um, the the town of St. Ives voting to introduce a second homes uh, ban. this is This is back in uh, 2018. And um, yeah interestingly, uh, Padstow, the 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 town of Padstow on the the north Cornwall coast has um, really, it's got the highest proportion of property sold as, um, as second homes. Um, 67% of sales, property sales, were for, uh, for second homes. So really, you know, massive, massive proportion. Now, the result of all of this second-home ownership is it does push the prices up. And you've got, you've got about five locations with these high percentages of, of housing being used as second homes. Um, in those sort of places, uh, average house prices can be something like 87% above the average. So, you know, the effect of that is really pricing uh, a lot of locals out of the market. It's a fact. Well, there you go. So, I, I guess it's pretty tough in Cornwall in in some aspects, particularly maybe if you're a, a young person, um, you know. And but I, w- one thing I, I have looked at is the is a report from Cornwall County Council. It's really looking at this idea of an index of multiple deprivation, comparing the most current one, which is twenty nineteen, with uh, twenty fifteen, which was the previous one. Um, what it what it seems to suggest on there the cornwall's got seventeen neighborhoods in the top ten percent most deprived areas in in England um, and it's also it also says that the the main types of deprivation in in cornwall's worst affected areas relate to things like income employment education uh, and also health and disability so i'm going to finish off just by um just by letting you know that because Cornwall is um, persistently um, comes in below other parts of the UK, um, for the last 20 years or so, it's been getting what's called Objective One funding. This is from the European Union, um, which is designed to boost the local economy. Um, So Objective One funding goes out to places in in the EU, often on the periphery or sort of uh, former industrial areas, um, but the the main consideration is that they're, they're places with with seventy five percent or less of the eu average gross domestic product or you know income in, in other words now this funding it has been worth um, the figures i 've found it 's something in the region of six hundred and fifty million euros um, really important money. Coming in for Cornwall now. This is is uh, expected to to stop in 2020. You know the UK is leaving the European Union. Um, and there are some concerns about this. You know what's going to happen as uh, as a result of this Objective One funding um, ending. So apparently, um, Objective One funding has it's backed something like 580 projects in Cornwall. Um. And, you know, really important, this is for things like infrastructure, it's been really influential in getting broadband internet, uh, you know, high-speed broadband connections into the county. Um, But in the the Brexit referendum, Cornwall's population did vote by 56% um, to leave the European Union. So there, there is a need for some confirmation that you know this equates to something like sixty million pounds in funding every year from Europe. Where's that money going to going to come from in the future? Um, and it's thought that well, Boris Johnson, Prime Minister, has has pledged to replace EU funding in Cornwall uh, for money that's coming from the uh, the UK government. In fact, when, when asked directly if the government would replace EU funding for Cornwall uh, and the Isles of Scilly, uh, Boris Johnson said, yes, it's going to be the same quantum, we're going to make sure the prosperity fund matches. So I guess that must be a yes, um, and we hope so. We hope so for, for Cornwall's sake, because they're obviously having that injection of cash to boost the local economy, really important. All right then. Well, I think we shall finish off there. Uh, hope you enjoyed this little trip to Cornwall, and it's um, just brought some maybe holiday memories back, or it's, it's you know given you an insight into the place. So uh, that's it for me. I'm going to say do geno, which is uh, goodbye. If I'm saying that to more than one person, hopefully I'm talking to more than one person. Who knows? Um, but I will. This is Geography Ninja signing out, and I will speak to you again very soon. Goodbye. <music>